Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. You can open your Bibles. This is our Vision Sunday, and I am going to try to squeeze this into a uh, short period of time. This is typically when we kind of set ourselves for the year. And uh, I just want to, may I just say this up front? Uh, I, I said it last Sunday, but I'll say it again because not everyone was here and some were out of town and some were sick and some still are actually. And so we just want to speak corporately and say thank you. Jerry really did a great job on that from the financial end. But thank you on all the other ends, like showing up, yeah. being involved, helping. I mean, everything that happens here happens with literally hundreds of volunteers from ministry team to sound systems to greeters to everything, financial counting, the offering, all that. I mean, all this stuff happens behind the scene. We don't really think much about it. We're going to really accentuate this in about two weeks. We're having a volunteer week where we talk about our volunteers and kind of, you know, thank them for what they do. But they help run this thing. Our staff, of course, uh, we have paid staff that helps us with all of our operations and everything. Thank you, thank you. Uh, last year, despite what the Cleveland Browns have done, Last year was our best year in so many ways. Not only financially, but we saw, I believe, I don't have an exact count on it, more souls come into the kingdom last year than at any other time in our history. And uh, I'm really happy about that. Many of them are here right now, or in one of our campuses, or watching online. And we thank God for that. I mean, that's such a passion in my heart that we, we see that. And this year was marked by so many things that we did to support our phrase last year. This last year was stronger together, which is a common phrase last year. A lot of people, businesses used it, churches used it. We thought it was good. We really felt the direction of the Lord to partner with culture and let's do this thing stronger together, you know, Cleveland strong, Brunswick strong, whatever you want to say. And really to begin to come back together again after a difficult year, not knowing that 2021 would be more difficult than 2020 as far as the things that happened. So we pressed through that year, and I want to continue on that. What we're going to really focus on this year is, is possess the land. And I wanted to go with the land because it is the trademark, one of the trademarks right now, describing Cleveland. We're the land, Cleveland. And uh, it is our land. And we, we proudly wear shirts, you know, that show the land, the t-shirts, and uh, we've become proud of this place. Uh, we've always really been proud of it, even, even in our losses in sports world and all that. We knew that this was a hidden secret here, right? Right now, Cleveland is the lowest costing major city in the United States. It's going to change because multitudes are going to move here. And you say they are? Yeah, oh yeah, there's been all kinds of prophetic words on it. We're a prophetic church. We really do believe that God speaks epic words. And the epic words help guide us, obviously, through Scripture. We walk through the Word of God. But I want to start this off by saying I had an epic, I shouldn't say I had, (laughs) a friend of mine had in Ashtabula. It's one of those good Ohio names, Ashtabula. Had a dream back back in March, on March 27th. The reason I remember it, God God typically speaks to me on marked days in my life. This is the first time it was through somebody else who had a dream rather than me having the dream. It was March 27th, and 54 years ago from that day, 
I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at Bethel Temple up on 12901 Pleasant Valley Road in Parma. And I was just a young 10-year-old boy. But somehow the Holy Spirit clouded over me in a moment and wiped me out. I mean, I was on the floor for over two hours. I was just, I was, I'm a 10-year-old, just wasted in the presence of God. And it changed my life. I mean, it, it, um, it marked me deeply. And so, uh, sure enough, the anniversary of that comes up. And I'm kind of anticipating every year, you know, there's certain places like the, the day of my father's death is a benchmark moment. Of course, my birthday, other things like that. It doesn't always happen, but it tends to happen on those days. They're like holidays in heaven, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, through a friend of mine who called me, he, he had this dream about being in a race car. And uh, he didn't understand it, so he wanted to share it with me because I was in the dream. I love the fact that I can visit other people's dreams. And uh, I was there, and he invited, he, his dad was beside him in his two-seat race car. Uh, and his dad offered to get out and give me, you know, let me ride in the race car. And so I got in the race car, and this friend of mine uh, starts driving around the track. And we hit a point where it, it's like it had a governor on it. And if you're familiar with that, you know that it could only go, it could go faster, but something was holding it back from going faster. Now, the odd thing was that when he told me the dream, I immediately knew what it was about, you know, and it's someone else's dream. And it had multiple layers. It had something for him, but it also had something for me, and that's why I was in the dream. So, you know, pray that you can show up in other people's dreams. It can be good. And uh, two things, because in it, things that he didn't know is that it had two key points of two epic dreams that I have had in my life, one in 06 and one in uh, 02. And they were marking dreams. One was the, the dream of the nightingale. There's a nightingale in the house and it, was, it, was, it came at a point when I'd just been diagnosed with, diagnosed with incurable cancer. And so it was an epic dream that to this day, I'm still marked by that dream. I mean, it's... Uh, it, it reoccurs aspects of it. But in that dream, I had a gray uh, tweed English jacket on and I was looking in a mirror. And so I, I've never had a dream where a, a jacket, sport jacket was featured in the dream where I'd, I knew it and I recognized it and I was singing a song. There's a nightingale in the house. And so this gray tweed jacket, I was going like this, you know, in the mirror, just making sure it looked okay. And uh, that happened in uh, 06, uh, right when Bob Jones was actually doing a conference here. It happened during that conference and became a great reassurance for me. The other one was when my uh, anniversary, first anniversary of my father's death, uh, which is actually 03, I'm sorry, not 02, but 03. Uh, the Lord gave me a dream and I was in a car. And the, the a bird, I was in a back seat in a convertible going through the Metro parks late at night. Jesus was driving. And he was comforting me about my father. And a bird landed on my arm and I began to laugh hysterically in the dream, woke up laughing, went back to sleep, re-entered the dream. Never happened to me before. Re-entered the dream and in the dream there was a voiceover, like an announcer, who said, I will never leave you. nor forsake you. It was Jesus. And I woke up and I was healed of mourning. I was healed of grief because of the anniversary of my father's death. And I realized how fast God could heal you. And what he did is he, he kind of put two of those getting into a car where a father had been, the father had stepped out. 
I stepped into his seat. I went in the car, but there was a governor that held it back. I had, according to my friend, I had a gray tweed jacket on, which was unusual to get in a race car with that on. And there I was, out of the dream in 06. And so he hit on these two buttons, and the bottom line was that God was taking me into a race, and there was a governor that was upon it, and they needed to go into the shop to be changed so that you could win the race, and the next day, in the dream, he won the race, you know, uh, in his dream. He had won that, which took place the next day because of an adjustment on the governor. So the Lord spoke to me and said, 2021, is gonna be a removal of the governor. And he, and he actually spoke of 2019 when I went through heart surgery that it was the adjustment of the governor and that, uh, that he was giving me more time to win the race. And so 2021 was with that in my background. I'm thinking through that like, this has gotta be, we're stronger together. But 2022, I was anticipating because there's something, I've got this conflict in my mind. Sorry I'm taking so long on this introduction, but it's kind of important because I'm gonna probably be talking about this for a month or so. So, but there was a, there's always been a bit of a governor on my life between the two worlds that I live in. Part of my world is very militant. There's something about me where I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a brawler, I'm a fighter, I'm, I, I'm not talking about with people, I probably would have done that in another life, but I just, uh, I, I love warfare, I love beating, I love, I love winning, I love defeating, you know, don't play a game with me, I'm not really great to play games with. <laughs> Holy Spirit's used games over the year to, you know, actually put governors in my life. And so, uh, uh, but it, it, I've got that. I got that, you know, I want to, when there's culture wars, I want to speak up. There's, there's a big part of me that wants to speak up. There's also a part of me that is very contemplative and monastic and, and is passive. You know, I, I want peace. I mean, I've had enough war in my life. I want peace. And David and Solomon represent that. David was a warrior, much bloodshed under his rule. Solomon became a man of peace. Because David could not go into the temple, build the temple and all that. He had the plans for it because of the blood that had been shed in his lifetime. And so there is that conflict that I feel in my life. And right now, as I was coming into 2022, I felt it rise up again. There's a part of me that wants to fight. The, I, I know what's going on in this country. I'm a, I'm a history buff. I read a lot. I know in culture that we've been feeling the drip, 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 drip of torture in so many ways. Where, I mean, it's like, it's not, it's not just like one area, it's broadly affecting us right now. It's making us question what we believe, what we think, how we raise our kids, what we do, what, what we think about medicine. I mean, all the stuff, it's, it's affecting trust. And we're having to kind of, re, we feel like without our permission, our world is being reorganized. And there's part of me, because of my labor union, union father, who picketed all over the city and, you know, called rallies together and stood against the mayor and the governor, all that stuff. That's really deep inside of me. Uh, and so it's, it wants to rise up. And I also feel this balancing of the sense that it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I'm not saying that means you never speak, you don't vote or something. In fact, I believe in that. God's given us this free country. You need to be responsible to vote and share your voice and speak up and all those kinds of things. 
But the war that is being fought in our culture will not be won just by that. It's going to be won because behind the scenes, there's some old ladies and old guys somewhere praying. <laughs> Maybe some young men and women too. <laughs> Typically, it's older people that just, they, they've got more time to do that, you know. They're just like, Jesus, touch my son, touch my daughter. I do a lot of that myself, you know. So you pray, you intercede, you cry out to God. That's really where we are right now. And so the possess the land, I, I struggled with this for two months. I said, it sounds too possessive. Sounds like we're going to take the land, you know. The vine, the kingdom of God suffers. I mean, you can find verses for whatever your feeling is. The kingdom of God suffers violence and violent will take it by force, you know. We always use that without reading the rest of the passage, but, but hey, that sounds pretty good. You know, there's always John the Baptist. We always have heroes that support our personality. John the Baptist, you know, the voice crying in the wilderness. We need to be that voice. It's all true. It's all true. But you know, there's times for certain kind of expression. There's other times for other kinds of expression. And sometimes, actually, it's more subversive. It's the kingdom of God. It's a Trojan horse. But you pray for someone and someone just goes, I don't know what happened, man. I've been far from God, but all of a sudden I had a dream. And behind the scenes, you're like, yes. I've been praying for that, you know. I don't know, just out of the blue. No one even said anything. Yes. We hear that Muslims are coming to the Lord by tens of thousands over in the Middle East through dreams. No evangelist. Through dreams. It's like God's so desperate now, he's stepping outside the bounds of man. Mankind is saying, you know what? I don't know if they're ever going to get there. Let's just drop the kingdom into that realm, you know. And they're coming into the kingdom. I told you before, one of the greatest revivals in the world right now is in Iran, and it's being led by women. I mean, it's so countercultural. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is countercultural. You can almost look at what's going on in culture right now and say, I know what to do, and it's not that. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the kingdom of God. It's such a big hint. You don't even have to pray about that. You just look and go, where is evil prevailing in our culture? You know, right now you can say, we need supernatural healing. We need people that are walking in health. And by the way, the body of Christ has not weathered well during this whole time. I've had COVID twice. They say, they say you can't do that, but we did. You know, I, I broke the barrier and had it twice. And, and when, you, when you go through something like that, you realize your lack of, of effective release of the kingdom of God in the situations. I'm not saying everyone who gets COVID is missing out on God or whatever. We just know it's a part of living here on planet Earth. But God's called us to be supernatural governors over these situations. Even in places where it does not change. And it prov I'm speaking, by the way, in Taiwan this uh, Wednesday morning. It's 6.30 in the morning. So just, uh, it's 7.30 in the night there, 6.30 in the morning. Second time I've done it. I did there, uh, spoke there a couple months ago. The Lord's given me a word for Taiwan. I'm really afraid. I'm concerned. You know, I'm like, Lord, really, I need a clear word. I mean, it's, it's a word that could affect, I mean, they are under the, the uh, heavy shadow of being invaded uh, by uh, mainland China right now, kind of like what's going on in Ukraine with Russia. And, uh, and there's, there's, there's things that are going to happen and what God is doing. I mean, I look at that and I go, I, I, have, I have no ability to be right there physically. I have no ability 
but thank God for technology that we can speak into the situation. But around the world right now, people are in wonder, they're in fear and they're concerned. Somewhere the church has to rise up and be a, uh, a, a, a safe haven, be a sanctuary. Be a place of refuge where people can come, even if it's only for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and walk into a building and feel like, oh, this is like heaven. This is like heaven. Even the muffins they served were amazing. <laughs> the coffee, wow. It couldn't be better, you know. I mean, it's, it, it needs, we need to be an environment. We need to be an army of people walking in peace, even in the midst of difficulty. I mean, even when, when uh, uh, Jeremiah was in, uh, captivated by enemies and basically a slave to the nation, he said, pray for the city. I mean, they were praying for a pagan city and even said, if you pray for the city, pray for its peace because your peace is attached to their peace. Wow. So much for, hey, I just want all this to burn and we need to get out of here. <laughs> It's been a mentality of the church for 40 years, you know. It's just like, well, it's all gonna burn anyway, so I'm gonna throw my McDonald's bag out of the car. <laughs> we don't care for the environment because it's just not cool for conservatives to care about the environment or Christians. What well, is actually? It's God's place, you know. And so, so there's something that stirs within us. I just want you to know this conflict that you feel in your heart is the kingdom of God. The conflict is I want peace, but I'm gonna war. I'm going to war in a way that may not be by flesh and blood, but it will have more impact than any physical war could ever have on this planet. We're calling everyone this year in 2022, possess the land. That means we step into places that are, are ours, but we have not yet fully occupied, dispossessed, and taken over. You mean, does that mean a Christian's going to become mayor or governor? I don't know. It doesn't, in one sense, it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, that'd be great. Oh, sure. But some, sometimes Christians get into high office and they don't do so well. So I don't know that that's the, the silver bullet, so to speak. But I, but I do believe the influence of the kingdom of God, like leaven in the bread, when you put it in there, eventually it marks the entire bread. And without that, that bread is not going to rise. So the leaven is you. You are the kingdom of God. You're an expression of the kingdom of God. In 2022, we've got to get out of ourselves. We've got to conquer the land, possess the land called, called Steve. Remember, I've been talking about that. This is one of my greatest places to conquer is me. You got Cleveland and I've got Steve land. <laughs> Steve land needs to be conquered too. And so there's this dual focus, microscopic, telescopic. Let's focus on Steve. Let's focus on the city. Now, you don't have to focus on Steve. I'm full-time on that. But you focus on you. Take care of you. We're all waiting for you to do that. Take care of you. I'll take care of me. And somehow we'll take care of one another. And we will become an influence in this city. And I'm going to be talking about it. In fact, if you want to, I think out in the bookstore, we have this book, uh, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, which is the Passion Translation. I love it. Uh, the, the footnotes in here are like half a page on each page. They're amazing. We're going we're gonna to dwell for about a month or six weeks or so in the first six chapters of Joshua. Oddly enough, I'm not talking about it today. But we will dwell in that because it's all about possessing the land. It's about going into the place of your promise. What's the promise that is hanging on your life? And I'd like you to look at a scripture here real quick. 
uh, in Genesis 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. If you can turn there, and I'll fly through this in about 10, 12, 15 minutes. Genesis 12 is a passage that uh, sealed a major decision that I made back in 80, 1986. Actually, I think it was 84, but in that region. <laughs> it kind of had a long confirmation. Uh, and it was going to Canada. <clears throat> the Lord spoke to me clear as a bell through a vision I had in Canada. I don't want to lightly share these things because I don't have visions all the time. That's why it was so significant. And I saw the Holy Spirit behind bars, like in a cage. And the Lord said, if you, move, if you will move here, you can be a part of opening that door. Now, I know the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in a cage. It's a picture. He was just showing me that, that if I come, I could be a part of the key that might open that up, you know? And so I said, you know, I was 27 years old. And I thought, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I got a couple kids, you know, let's move a thousand miles away to a place I've never lived. In, in another culture. And by the way, Canada is actually a different country. Some people don't think that, but it is. I mean, it's different country. My mother-in-law is watching, so I gotta be very careful what I say here. But it's different. Different's good. It's a good different. A little cooler, but it's different. And so we moved up there, you know. But, but what happened was when I first decided to go, I was a part of a local church here that I'd started, and my brothers did not <laughs> receive that word real well, and it caused some difficulties and challenges. Uh, ultimately, it worked out about a decade later. But anyway, uh, I left that church, and I was kind of a free agent. I was going to do something else. It didn't really work out, so I stayed, kind of pulled a little small group together to be able to launch us into Canada. It took two more years from, 20, you know, from 27 to 29. But when I first announced that, my, my family was upset about it. Uh, because, you know, grandkids, they didn't care if Cindy and I left. They, no, they probably didn't care if I left, but the Cindy they were okay with. But grandchildren, you can't take our grandchildren, you know. Well, they're my kids, you know. So we had that discussion. He, my dad particularly was not happy about it. And uh, I just prayed. I said, Lord, I don't know what to tell him. You've got you to help me out here. He's a pretty powerful guy. And he just, you need to help him figure it out. And he was a believer, follower of Jesus, and had been traveling with me. And so uh, Genesis 12 became the verse that God gave him to give me the full release. I was going anyway, you know, but it was nice to have a release, a release from him. And so in Genesis 12, here's what it says, and it speaks how we need to get out. Now, when I share this, every time I share from this verse, within a week, a bunch of people come up and say, I think I'm moving to California. This is not about moving to California. I mean, God may speak that to you someday in the future. And they do need some missionaries out there. <laughs> but that's not what this is about. This is not about geographic moves. Some people think if I, just, if I could just move to Texas or Florida or New York or wherever, I'd feel better. I'd be a different person. I'd be amazing. You know, the truth is you move somewhere, you're still, you're still there. It's an internal thing. I'm not saying that geography can't shape you. It can. I think it's a very powerful thing. But really, your issue is more with you. It's the land in you. The land. Everyone say the land. The land. Yeah, it's your land. It's your promise. It's your inheritance. And God's called us to focus on that. You know, overcome that. So, you know, when you read through the New Testament and the Old Testament, you begin to find out there's these, 
metaphors, that are, these stories that are true stories, but also refer in multiple layers to Israel, to Christians, to you individually, to shape your life, to become a person that is intentional, that believes for big things, but lives in a real world where real things happen. You know, the tension between heaven and earth and continually asking for heaven to come to earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Genesis 12 says this, and it says, now the Lord said to Abram, this before he was Abraham, Abram, get out of your country. He lived in a place called Ur. Everyone say Ur. You are Ur. <laughs> it was right on the Persian Gulf. It's right at the base of the uh, <clears throat> Euphrates River. Actually, civilization back in the time of Abram was flowing downstream uh, to Ur literally from the region that they called where the Garden of Eden was. In fact, many people believe that in Abraham's, Abraham's time, there was, a, there was a clustered area between the Euphrates and Tigris River where people lived to be hundreds of years old. And they think that it was kind of an effect of the Garden of Eden. Be a great place to go, you know, be a snowbird too or something like that. You know, just to hang out, maybe you get at least a couple hundred years, not full 400, but, but people were actually living long in this area. It was kind of like a blue, uh, a blue zone, you know. And so from there, though, civilization was going downriver. It's a magnificent study because the whole flow of culture was moving toward Ur and Ur knew it. Ur knew it. Ur was a very pagan kind of a culture. Some Jews believe that Abram's father was actually an idol salesman, sold idols. He was raised in a non uh, religious culture, but he heard the voice of God. And the Lord began to speak to him to basically leave Ur and go upriver. So he's going west. He's, he's pushing against the cultural flow of the time. And when he got to Terah, God would speak to him and he would turn over and head down into a place called Canaan, which was his promised land and actually became the promised land from there forward. And a promise was made to Abram, which he would become the father of many nations and all that that we know. You know, Father Abraham, you know, we, we know as a term, if you didn't know it, you were, you were raised in the 70s or 80s, you remember the song that was sang in church, Father Abraham, you know, had many sons. Remember that? Everyone's like, why? You sang that in church. Many sons have Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right foot, left foot. I said, you did that in church? Embarrassingly, yes. We did much physical music back then that involved us. What were we saying, though? I mean, a lot of people, the kids loved the song because it involved bodies and moving and everything else. But we're saying we're, we're sons and daughters of Abraham. Scripture confirms that in the book of Romans. You read about it. So Abraham becomes a template for the Christian life, even though he was an original Jew. He was the original Jew. And out of the promise that God gave him, we now live in that same promise. So when you study Abraham, you're studying your own life. You move through the path, of course, later on expressed in Jesus Christ. So now you look back at Abraham in the Old Testament, you go, what was his life like? This is what he did. The Lord spoke to him out of a pagan culture and said, the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country. This is what my father read. The Lord gave him this verse that gave him release to release me to go to Canada. 
Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So here's the deal. What does that mean? It's, it's about individual faith. And this is so important to the church. I wish I had a little bit more time, but we'll unpack this more in the weeks ahead. But there is a, there's, there's two realms you need to be considered, uh, uh, concerned about, is the individual and the corporate. That God actually, in Scripture, leads some people individually, and they're, they're great patriarchs of the Old Testament and matriarchs of the Old Testament. So there's this, God touches somebody, anoints them, speaks to them, and boom, they lead multitudes. But there's also a pattern in the Old Testament that is carried into the church. So God will use individuals in a church for extraordinary ways. But he also prefers actually to move in tribes of people. And so you go to like Joshua, Moses and Joshua, which are generations after Abraham, they actually take a group of some say up to two million Jews that were slaves in Egypt, got delivered out of Egypt, go into the wilderness. It's a picture of our Christian walk. We get delivered salvation out of Egypt. We walk through a wilderness, which is meant to be not, you know, actually wasn't the shortcut. It was the long cut. It's not the shortcut. Shortcut would have been about 70 miles. They took a much longer journey. Why? Because it's the way God does stuff. God moves you in a certain way in order to teach you and train you to be dependent upon him. You learn to get manna from the Lord. You learn to get quail from the Lord. You learn to get water from a rock from the Lord. He wants you to learn dependency in this life upon him so that he can create in you the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to actually move as he moved on the planet, individually and corporately. And so as you study this, Abraham starts to go on this amazing journey. And it says in Galatians 3, it says, therefore know that only those who are of faith, those who are of faith, those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. You know you're a son of Abraham, not because you were born in a Jewish family. Now, Jews are sons of Abraham too, in a different context and different view. But you become a Jew. Turn the person next to you and say, I never told you this, but I'm a Jew. <laughs> Says that in Romans 3. Because of faith. Because of faith, you've entered into the promise of Abraham. So what's that like? What's my dad like? If I'm a son of Abraham, father Abraham, what's he like? Well, my son and I were talking about my dad the other day in details and different things that he did. Where he went all, we had a fun time talking about it. We do it so that Josh can know what his grandfather was like, because it's, it's been passed down. You're a grandson of Melvin Witt. So there's certain things that are gonna be expected of you as a result of that. But in, in Abraham, what was the big promise about? It was about a land, the land, the land. It was about descendants. Josh, it was about descendants. It was just a little code there to Josh. He's engaged now. It's about descendants. It's about, it's about blessing nations. So you're gonna go to the land, you're gonna get fruitfulness from it, and that fruit will touch nations. That is the promise of Abraham. Every one of us in this room. Sons and daughters. So I ask you, I ask you right now, because time's running out, it turned red two minutes ago. 
Where's your land? What's, what is it? I mean, we know it was Canaan. God's brought them. They've got to go through the wilderness. They're going to cross the river. They're going to go into land and they're going to dispossess whatever's there that needs to go because God has called them to possess the land. That's the militant side. Now with Cleveland, it doesn't mean we kick everyone out of the city that's not a follower of Jesus. It means that we go into this land and realize this land is going to be given fully to the purposes of God. It starts with a personal commitment saying, Lord, my land is your land. And this land is your land. And Lord, we want to present it to you as a place given fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just read a little bit further on that, Genesis 12, and then we're done. In fact, go ahead and stand up. I'm sorry, Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things unseen, for by it, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony by moving in faith, which is what Abraham did, the just shall live by faith. I'm quoting verses that are all around surrounding Abraham. The just, that's you. You're declared just because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. Sons and daughters of Abraham are faith-filled people. What does that mean? It means that faith is the substance of things hoped for. We are people of hope because out of hope, hope is like the seedbed for faith to emerge. You start hoping for things, oh, I hope it happens. I hope revival comes. I hope God changes my job. I hope God, I mean, we've got all these hopes. Hope's good. Hope digs the, the soil for the seed of faith to come in because it says, uh, for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, you will know before you know. You'll know before you see. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. For by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. I touch on this a couple times a year. So that the things which are seen, which are not made with things that are visible. This means as a son and daughter of Abraham, what you see visibly is not going to limit you. I mean, even Abraham, it says he looked in a mirror. It didn't say he looked in a mirror, but it kind of infers that. I don't know there were any mirrors around back then, but he said he looked at his own body as good as dead. Have you ever done that? I have since I turned 65. It's like, well, I don't know, Lord. But God wants you to now be a son or daughter of Abraham. We are marked by faith. We look at what's in front of us, culture wars, city problems, all these things. God says, you can do it. By the power and grace of God in you, go into the land. Be of courage. Be strong. Abraham packed his bags, left the city, began to go up. And the Bible says in Hebrews, knowing not where he was going. Looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Oh, I love that. He went out of viewing what's right in front of me and saying, this is my lot. Unfortunately, this is impossible. I'll never break out of this. The believers that God is raising up in this house called Bethel Cleveland are those that are always gonna see the possible on top of the impossible. 
We're always going to say, and Mr. Everyone's saying, this is terrible. Things are terrible. It's going to be horrible. I mean, how many more Greek alphabet letters are there? Omicron, Delta. It's 28, just to give you some comfort. When's it going to end? You know, in the midst of it, the city and people stealing stuff out of stores before I get there. Why can't I steal some stuff? I mean, the things that are swirling around our heads, you know, it is, it is all a distraction. Believers, followers of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of Abraham, they put their eye upon the possible through Jesus Christ and they move and march toward that. We want to pray for you a minute. Uh, uh, Jerry's going to come up, I think, right, Jerry? Come on up, Jerry. In fact, I don't know if you were planning on this, Jerry. Think about it. But if you want to do the Psalm 91 thing, I just feel like a declaration. Uh, Jerry shared a really great revelation to our staff this week about Psalm 91. And I, even if you just read it over them, Jerry, that might be having repeat parts of it or something. I feel there's something of a breaking, an initial breaking right now. It's happening in me. I want it to happen in you too. We're breaking off any fear. You know why Israel did not enter into the promised land? Because of unbelief. They just lost their vision. They got consumed with their environment and they missed the greatest opportunity. Fortunately, their kids were able to experience it. But the Bible says that every one of them, their bodies had to fall in the wilderness. I don't wanna be a part of that verse. I wanna be a Joshua and Caleb that says, hey, I'm going. I'm going. I, I know there's walled cities. I know there's giants, but hey, we're, we're going to go. We're, we're going. I, yeah, I love the desert, but I love land of milk and honey better. So let me just bless you before you go here and come out next, next month. We're going to be just going into this. And I believe this month is, I didn't get to get into much of where we're going and what we're doing, but trust me, we've got a 25-year history here that's solid. I just, I'm decluttering my basement. I just ran across a... Um, uh, our first initial promo card that we handed out in 96 to invite people to come to the gathering of their, our church. And I read through it and I honestly looked at it and said, nothing has changed. <laughs> it's exactly the same place we are right now. This is our vision. It's what we want to do. And it, it was reassuring to me. We are what we've always been. We're going to love people. We're going to love God. But we're going to reach out and love a city too at the same time. And so I just bless them, Lord God. I ask, Lord, for your hand to rest heavy upon everyone here. And those who are not sure about becoming a part of this church, I pray, Lord, you give them revelation, understanding that this is the place they should be, that they will lock in, they will yield their arms, their hands, their feet, their mouth to be a part of a kingdom of God that's emerging in this house and houses all over this city. We bless the Lord in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.